0: you are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud native data management. My name is Ryan Wallner and I'm joined by Bob and Shah coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud native ecosystem. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. We're coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, today is June 22nd, 2023. I hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Let's dive into it. It's summer, Bobbin. Officially. It is summer. Yeah. We yeah. crossed
1: the uh, summer solstice yesterday, right? So yeah, this is it. Uh, that's right. And we're deep
0: into I feel like it's been kind of a cool start, which mm-hmm. uh, I guess there's, you know, pros and cons to that. But
1: anyway, what are you, what, what are you even up to? to this I'm, The long start of summer. <laughs> no, I'm super pumped today. Like this is our 50th episode of that's doing right. Kubernetes Bites, Uh If you don't wow. count the trailer, which was like a two second, a uh, 30 second clip, but
0: I'm 50, like, and a half in that case, maybe.
1: <laughs> let's do that like we crossed the 50th episode milestone it, <laughs> the, takes,
0: it takes a long time to get there i mean it's it's been uh every couple of weeks for mm-hmm. a few years now Yeah, that's pretty pretty wild like,
1: i know we started in august of 2021 yeah so yeah. yeah this is awesome man i
0: i try to think about anything else i've done every 2 weeks for a couple of years or more
1: hopefully <laughs> work out
0: yeah i hope work out right i mean maybe if you like you know spread it all out over the two years or work out but yeah That's
1: funny. (laughs) No, and we had some awesome guests, right? I just want to thank everybody for agreeing to come on the pod. Uh, I know we started talking about mainly Kubernetes storage and data management and those kinds of topics, but then obviously we have evolved into all kinds of different topics uh, around Kubernetes. So uh, thank you, Ryan, for like, uh tolerating me for the past 50 episodes that's the
0: easiest part bava you're such a you're such a pleasant
1: person to be around Don't worry okay no but with that i think uh, no i'm enjoying my summer uh, i i do have a couple of trips planned later uh, maybe in august nice. uh, but yeah not doing anything for july 4th of July. Yeah,
0: that's right. Um yeah, me either. I was just away in Vermont for a few days did another I did the first of my, my moto trips which oh, was nice. last it it rained sort of <sighs> All of the third day and part of the second, which just made for a lot of uh, mud and enjoyment uh, in okay. my heart. I, I honestly thought the last day, that which was the, just pouring all day long, was my favorite day.
2: Nice. Um, but, you know, How many miles
1: did you end up covering over uh, the days? About three hundred
0: fifty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. On so, a bike, hundred so. miles a day or something. Yeah. Like that. All mostly off road in this
2: case. So, yeah. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. How's your back? <laughs> my back's great. You know, my chiropractor keeps me in shape. I guess. <laughs> um, I could have done ten more, which is good because the next trip is seven days or something like that. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I saw a moose because we weird way we up there towards the Canadian border. Uh, it was far away, luckily. It was a big okay. moose, and I'm glad. You know, when they're further away, in that case, you don't you're you not scared. Just <laughs> majestic at that
1: point. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to bring like local things, but since you brought up moose, there was a Bear sighting in Arlington, Massachusetts. Yeah, like, there are...
0: A lot more, I feel like, in yeah. rural areas lately. Uh you know, I think it's just the seasons. This winter was super warm. I don't know.
1: I didn't know bears existed like in the suburbs of Boston. Like oh, what yeah. are they doing? They were outside a grocery store. Like I mean, for maybe food, come- man. They are, for food. they are now turning onto DoorDash drivers, I guess. <laughs> With the dash pass. <laughs> they know, they know where the good food is at DoorDash
0: Drivers. That's hilarious. Yeah, well, I mean, luckily black bears are pretty skittish at humans, so you know, for the most good part to know. We, we have it pretty easy <laughs> compared to the, the grizzlies, the browns. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I did see that too. I grew up in New York, there's been a, b- a lot more in there as well. So okay. anyway, you know, mooses, bears, and, and summer, you know, this is <laughs> this is good stuff. Um, speaking of good stuff, we have uh, quite a cool topic today. Yep. We're going to be talking to uh, John Dietz and uh, Jared Edwards, uh, and they are from Cube First. John is the CEO and co-founder, and Jared is also the co-founder, but before we get them on to talk all about kind of CubeFirst and bootstrapping your Kubernetes environment with everything that you could possibly need, uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of the cloud-native news. So uh, Bob, why don't you kick us off?
1: Yeah, this was a slow week for me, at least, like I was trying to find interesting articles. Maybe got a couple, so I'll, yeah, I'll run through my don't list. Don't force it. Don't force it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no they're, still, they're still interesting, but like okay. usually it's easy. Like, okay, I have a few filters, few RSS feeds. I just go to them and then yeah. get, find good stuff. This week, it actually had me do some work. So uh, starting off, uh, Fairwinds uh, is actually launching an open source tool for scanning your base images that you use in okay. your containers. Yeah. So like if you have CVEs, there are whole pitches. If there are public, C, publicly known CVEs or if a new CVE comes out, uh, it takes the developers a while to figure out which image in their container has the CVE. This tool is an open source tool yeah. that you can run against your container image. They can tell you which version of or which layer of that image is the problematic one yeah. and tell you if there's a fix available. So open source tool something something that, that's worth checking out. But yeah, uh, that's fast. Next, Vertana, I think, they, they and this is what they call themselves, the leading I'm IT well operations it. management <laughs> company, they acquired a Kubernetes cloud-native observability startup called OpsCrews. So, okay. yeah, they they claim to be the only purpose-built cloud-native Kubernetes ob- observability platform. I'm sure other vendors in the ecosystem will have to tell us something to say against that claim, but <laughs> uh, an acquisition in the Kubernetes ecosystem that I just wanted to highlight. And then finally, I know we do, a, we do have a lot of fun with ChatGPD in our episodes, uh, yeah. but for people who want to learn more about generative AI or LLMs, uh, Google Cloud actually has a whole series or a learning path around generative AI. So we'll link that in the show notes if you want to just get started. I think it's 11 courses uh they do have That's split cool. it across days but again i each video is not like eight hours so you can actually get up to speed on what what generative ai is have you taken it not yet but i added it to my list i was like why not share it with our listeners
0: yeah, and maybe, maybe a sneak preview to some future episodes that we're hopefully going to do some more. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a hot topic and we're, we're always interested. I feel like every time I read into it, I'm like, I'm like you know, just I feel like such a novice in, in the new technology, which is, which is also part of the, the excite, yeah. uh, excitement about it, right? You get to learn something brand new and there's mm-hmm. just a lot to consume, right, <laughs> in the whole AI world. All cool um uh, for me there was just a few uh the first one is iomesh 1.0 i believe we uh covered iomesh when it was or maybe i don't know if we covered on this show or talked about it but i remember talking about with you in 2021 they were actually kind of like came out as a company uh sort of stealth i guess you could call it um uh, but they <laughs> yeah, didn't have like a 1.0 so, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly so they're they're based out of uh, china i believe and uh they compare themselves to a lot of the the you know popular cloud native storage out there
2: mm-hmm. um
0: and you know have some pretty interesting claims i haven't tried it myself but yeah. really cool to see um Sort of another vendor kind of tackling this space. A lot of them have been scooped up, bought up, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, and so we'll see what happens with them. We're going to follow them and, and, and see what's going on. Go check it out if you're interested in that
3: storage space.
0: Um, the next one is you know, Kelsey Hightower. We all know him. Um, he sort of had this article about predicting the future of the Kubernetes community, and it's on the new stack. It's a really interesting mm-hmm. article um, and, you know, I guess this, the TLDR is basically Kubernetes has to go away, which is a loaded thing to say, yep. um, but there's a lot to unpack in the article. There's a lot more to what he's saying, right? If we're not innovating, there's a lot of talk about, you know, what we're doing next, what's next, what do we build on top, what's the yep. next best thing? And I, I totally agree, right? You know, 20 years from now, you know, I'd hope that we're moving forward and we we often talk about things on the show like, you know, Boss, I'm going to take us, you know,
2: down mm-hmm. a different
0: road. Who knows? Um, but yeah, some pretty interesting thoughts from the uh, Googler over there. And go <laughs> check out what he has to say. And uh, you can probably chat with him on uh, Twitter, maybe.
1: No, and talking about the news stack, right? I saw I didn't include it in the show notes, but I should have. Like you published an article talking about Kubernetes operators. So I did. Yes, the real reason
0: should... your boss is smiling. That's right. <laughs> That's what it was called. You know, we'll, we'll include it here in the show notes if anybody wants to read that. I can't toot my own horn, so, you know, I, I didn't bring it to the news here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a fun article to write about sort of Kubernetes operators, mm-hmm. where we've come as a, as a community and what they're, what they're up to. So really cool stuff. Um, the last two were from AWS. Uh, one is about sort of AWS tightening their alliance with KubeCost. We've talked mm-hmm. about KubeCost and a lot of uh, that technology, really cool stuff. So check that out. And then EKS, uh, support for Kubernetes 1.27, which has a whole bunch of, sort of you know, things uh, that you might be interested in if you're yep. looking at the bleeding edge of uh, Kubernetes and, and are there. I find that you know, um, you know, there's still some people running some pretty old versions of Kubernetes mm-hmm. out there. I don't know, about, I don't know about you and your day job, but you know, um, it, they move pretty fast. So go check it out
1: if you're I using it. And- in addition to like talking about like the latest versions that they support i think we should also talk about the the end of support date for the older ones because that has yeah messed with me as part of my day job in the past. <laughs> it
2: yes. just sneaks up on
1: you right. like uh, why are they not supporting one twenty three anymore yeah. like okay, let's find out and let's I remember that
0: specific problem actually yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah uh you know, always keep up to date with those things a lot of a lot of the clouds have uh sort of like feeds you can kind of yeah. you know, like, tap into to get that kind of, news. but yeah, maybe we should have um you know sort of sort of thing um Yeah. So, I mean, that was the news. I think Mm -hmm. it was a short news week. I think, you know, summer is going to be pretty light. So maybe that's a benefit to you, you users or listeners or watchers, wherever you may be doing Um, less news for you and more guests. Speaking of guests, uh, let's get them on the show. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back after this short break. If you've ever had a puppy and raised it to become a big dog, you know that changing food and finding the right food is hard to get right. Ultimately, you want them to feel good and act happy and be okay with what they're eating. They're part of your family, after all. I have an eight-year-old golden retriever named Roscoe, and he's always had a sensitive stomach, so finding the right food is kind of a pain. That's where Nom Nom comes in. Nom Nom's food is full of fresh protein that your dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. You can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, kale, and more in the ingredients. So here's how it works. You tell them about your puppy, the age, breed, weight, allergies, protein preferences, chicken, pork, beef, and they'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom, Nom meals and send them straight to you. If you're ready to make the switch to fresh, order Nom, Nom today and go to https forward slash, forward slash, trinom.com slash kubernetesbytes, and get your 50% off of your first order plus free shipping. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. And we're back. All right. So welcome to Kubernetes Bites, John and Jared. I won't take the thunder from you. Go ahead and introduce yourselves uh, and, and what you what you do.
4: Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm John Dietz, uh, and I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Coop First. Uh, Jared, introduce yourself. Yeah, Jared Edwards the other co-founder of Coop First. So, yeah, th- this is a rare treat to see the two of us in the same room together. Uh, Jared's from the Denver area. I'm from the D.C. area. We're in D.C. Uh, with our team together. Uh, and uh, really great to be with you guys today to uh, talk about some Kubernetes. Awesome.
1: awesome. Yeah, we're glad to have you on the show as well. Awesome. So let's get started, right? Let's I know with cube first. Uh, we'll do a, a primer for cube first and how it helps developers Write code faster and push things to production faster. But we before we talk about all the goodness, I think I wanted to start by like even before Kubernetes was a thing or before like GitOps was a thing. How did developers actually get code into production? Coming from an ops background or a sysadmin background, I've always heard stories about oh developers had to wait for VMs to be provisioned and that took a lot of time. So let's talk about some history and then we can see how things have changed.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're, you're exactly right. The the pre Kubernetes uh, CI/CD uh, infrastructure as code application delivery story
2: uh, is a long story. I mean, if, you know, we um, back back
4: in uh, I don't know, maybe six seven years ago, I was working at USA Today as an example, and they had just enormous amounts of infrastructure. Um, they were trying to manage the infrastructure with uh, tools like Chef, and then that evolved into Terraform and. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it was still true, though, that managing, uh, you know, applications uh, on virtual machine-oriented infrastructure was just tough. There were challenges. Um, Nuanced details like, you know, your, your load balancer that you're going to use to uh, put in front of your uh, auto-scaling virtual machines that have applications that are installed to it using them combination of ansible or whatever else mm-hmm.
2: um, it, it always created these like very bespoke uh operational organizations um and it, you know you,
4: you uh, everybody kind of agreed on the discipline uh before kubernetes but um nobody
2: agreed on the practice mm-hmm. um, and, and with with kubernetes um everything changed a lot i mean um i I, I recall uh when we were first working on our um, first Kubernetes project ever. This was back in, what,
4: 2017? Um, and, you know, even back then on Kubernetes, uh, application delivery wasn't what it is today um, with, with evolutions like GitOps. Um, and back then, you know, it was, uh, this, this was even back before Helm was
2: widely popularized. Mm-hmm. So you know, you've know you got an application, if you could figure out how to containerize
4: uh, and build a container for that app, you could write a YAML spec of a deployment and uh, could cuddle apply Or if you were you know, fancy yeah. enough, maybe you put in a Helm uh, chart and you, yeah. and you Helm install your application to your development and then staging in a production environment. And that was already an enormous positive evolution for application delivery
2: just who mm-hmm. apply or help install these complex uh,
4: micro service oriented uh, applications with micro components and being able to envelop all of them in a simple way and say hey kubernetes make this go into development and I trust you to do all the hard work um, and just that alone was amazing um, and it, 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 it you really have to start nitpicking it to figure out why GitOps is so popular. And, and
2: the nitpick
4: is in terms of like uh, your posture of being able to
2: instantly have all of that anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, like when you're doing a kubectl
4: uh, apply and that's your mechanism for installing versions of applications to uh if your production cluster is suddenly missing, <laughs> it's just <laughs> right um, now. You have a really big problem on your hands because the tools that you were using to deliver your application to your production environment have to go through a sequence of build and promotion <laughs> to dev stage prod, which means that your main branch has to be the main branch of what was in production, or you need complex fees in that workload. Um, And you, you could keep going with boring details about why it's not the best uh, practice. But what GitOps offers in exchange for that is a desired state, which mm-hmm. is what Kubernetes was built to handle. And it's what we as humans want to define. And the, the marriage of Kubernetes with Git um, in a way where we just get to manage the desired state of what we want and we get to just trust that the GitOps engine is going to deliver that, has just provided enormous gains in terms of asset management of what's in your Kubernetes cluster from a disaster recovery standpoint,
2: mm-hmm. recover
4: when you have a problem. Um, so
2: we're really excited about the
4: GitOps wave. Um, obviously Kubernetes itself is fantastic, but that, that, that's my take on uh, on app delivery and, and GitOps and Kubernetes before and after. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think you touched on one big thing there, which was like the the complexity component of it, right? I mean, uh, it's not like these modern tools haven't been around even when we were doing things before Kubernetes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, even thinking about Jenkins being released in 2011 um, and Docker coming around in 2013, and really Kubernetes being popularized in 2017 ish. I mean, I know Mesosphere was also pretty huge there as well. Um, like doing things, I think people a lot were still kind of in, embedding those types of tools. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much later that you were kind of thinking like, oh, wow, you know, we're doing a lot here. And so, you know, when you erase complexity and the whole movement around DevOps and releasing faster, you know, you, you start to see the complexity slows you down again, right? And so oh. I think natively, something else had to come out that was a little better. And I feel like GitOps does a lot of this. Um, and I know we've had conversations about, and about, you know, it even mm-hmm. improves, you know, security posture in a lot of ways for auditability and things like yep. that. So um, I'm curious, you know, when, you know, you, you, these technologies have been out for a while, but I was curious, you know, what's kind of spurred the problem that you saw in the community that inspired you all to work on, you know, what you're working on today Cube First?
3: Yeah, yes. Uh, so I guess I'll start there. Uh, so as John mentioned, it was like 2017, and we were trying to build, uh, we were at this company, this big data company, and the, the orders were basically everything to for running Kubernetes. So figure uh, out okay. how to make everything run there. Uh, it honestly took a lot of time. After about like probably twelve months of uh, tinkering and toying around, we finally had a platform that like the whole engineering organization was happy with, security team was happy with it, the application teams were happy with it as cloud engineers we were happy with it Uh, everything just started to work really well right and uh, we were lucky enough to hop on a train from DC actually because I
2: I lived out here at the time okay we were going up to Datadog Dash in New York and John and I had like the first three
3: hours of just like calm safe (laughs) training like not working to talk about like what we had been doing for the last year yeah Hmm? through that like discovery we were just like why did it take so long like yeah sure so we were like, well, maybe we should figure out how to make this faster. And then, like everybody has this problem, every company has these like nuanced things that they need for their application pipelines, for their infrastructure <laughs> management, whatever. So like, how do we streamline that twelve months down to something that somebody can have in a day? So sure, yeah. on the train uh, back, I think it was uh, John bought the domain for first and we just started kind of playing.
1: Nice, that's, right cool. that's awesome. Well,
3: that's we, over the last 12 months and how we could apply that to making it faster. Yeah. And uh, what that led to was like two plus years of our nights and weekends of like <laughs> trying to figure out how to make it better. And it was really, really tough. And we finally, after a long, like that two year period, we were about to the point where we were like, I think we could take this to a company
2: and try and sell it to them. And then we discovered sure, Argus. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> As as we started playing with Argo CD, the whole thing went off the rails. We The whole platform, and we decided that like, after we saw the power of what that desired
3: state can give you, we had to go back to the drawing board, and so we started over. But through that, we obviously got a lot of great reps in with GitOps and how Argo CD works, and we started re-architecting in a way that lets us stand a lot more on that desired state that John was talking about. Now, like, you know, just... Teaser, I guess, would be like,
2: at the end of our like an installation, we give you a GitOps repository, and it's yours. Sure. you take it. But all it is is desired state mm-hmm. that we
3: tell Kubernetes to look at so that it can start to give you all of those things. Uh, and the native capabilities of Argo like SyncWave's help with some of the orchestration pieces, and it removes all of the scripting that we were doing for the last two years. So uh, there's just a lot of positive
2: movement by just trusting in GitOps and Argos. Sure, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, what, what do you want to add to that? Not <laughs> a I mean,
4: you know, we we built the product out of our own necessity as Kubernetes engineers. We just as, like,
0: as many products, yeah, uh, yeah, start that way, yes.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're all fighting the same fight. It's it's clearly one of the best technologies that's ever landed in the cloud space. Um, and like, uh, but it it comes with complexity. But if you if you do if you do the hard work and you buy into the what we consider to be, and, and you don't have to pick our tools either, like sure. our platform comes with a bunch of tools that are open source mm-hmm. and CNCF landscape and very popular with good documentation
2: mm-hmm. that we think would be
4: a good fit whether you're brand new to Kubernetes or literally like a Fortune 500 company that's like full enterprise and adopting Kubernetes, like these are, these are scalable tools that scale far and do really well and have that that open source community behind each one of these tools um, to, to, to foster your own engineering mm-hmm. experience with, with these communities that uh, s- centralize around Argo CD and Terraform and um, you know uh, Kubernetes and infrastructure as code, and Argo workflows and blah, blah, blah. like They all have all these like, really great communities of people that have like, a ton of knowledge. And to do all that work yeah. yourself of, hey, <laughs> finding the communities, uh, picking the tools that are all going to work really well together, you know, and you just add infrastructure's code and you add yeah, GitOps on top of it. Before you know it, you're just down the road a lot. And if you convinced a director of your organization that, like, Kubernetes is the right idea, you're not wrong. But uh, six months down the road, if you're not shipping to production on Kubernetes, that director is starting to get impatient and it's not long before you're starting to take some shortcuts here and there and just trying to trying to get things going. and that's that's kind of a bad story. and we we just needed a different story to exist. So um so we built first to kind of be that fast tracked enablement of an open source Kubernetes ecosystem uh, just as a better starting point for Kubernetes. like oh, yeah not trying to okay. solve every problem for every company under the sun. We, we do try to honor that there is a
2: line of how far sure. we should go, and then you should take it
4: from there. But we do want to stand on a better set of foundational rules. We want to stand on there being a secrets manager available minute one. We want yes. to stand on the fact that you're going to have infrastructure as code
2: that's automated that you can
4: um, leverage for that initial infrastructure all the way to whatever you need to scale to. Um, right. We really want to buy into GitOps and make sure that there's a well-orchestrated set of uh, sequencing so that all the chickens and eggs that happen when you're setting up your platform from scratch yep. are all just taken care of. And then we, we want to stop like, basically right there and say, this is your fully repeatable, fully replaceable, ephemeral, or otherwise, you know, production-ready, it could be whatever reason you need a Kubernetes cluster. We want to make sure that you can always have a Kubernetes cluster that's a little bit further along, so that you can take advantage of having a secrets manager and infrastructures code and sure, and all these things that make the Kubernetes experience so nice. When you're starting from scratch, it's so tough because you you almost need
2: infrastructure in order to create infrastructure. So like <laughs> it like, it
4: like the the, the chickens' eggs are pretty fierce, and um, we managed to orchestrate it all in a way that. Uh, after a Kubernetes install, 100% of everything that's on the platform, the cloud resources, the GitOps resources, whatever they might be, they're all immediately hooked into the GitOps repository. So okay. you have build that audit log of every change that's ever happened, whether it's application changes or infrastructure's, chain, uh, infrastructure's code changes, whatever it might be. Like We want to get that audit log started on day one. And then if if you can start there instead, you know, you you have an audit log for the entire history of your company. That's, we we trust that that'll be favorable to a lot of organizations. It takes quite a bit to get to a point where you've automated your infrastructure as code. So um, having that, you know, on your first minute is uh, hopefully going to be really valuable. to
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, there's a lot of obviously components that you want to get off the ground running and it sounds (laughs) like, you know, um, there's more of a, um, a guideline of like best fit tools for, a, for, for certain uh, scenarios. And it sounds like when it moves from code repository, secrets management, you know, ingress control whatever it may be. Um, I'm, now I'm curious, you know, uh, I think it might be worth like going into what what are those community tools that Kubefirst uses? And, and maybe, you know, if there's, if there's certain ones that like, why'd you choose that one over, you know, another or, or what, what does it do best in, in yeah. your kind of environment?
3: Sure, yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. Um, for I'll try and go down the stack that's best I can. Sure, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for um, secrets management, uh, HashiCorp Vault was our choice. Um, we had good experience with that. Yeah. And it's obviously a well trusted tool amongst the community. As an enterprise here, if your company really has those requirements and needs something that's even beyond what the open source capabilities of HashiCorp Vault are, um, it's got all kinds of great extensions uh, these days. Like uh, we use it as an IEP as well for user management. Sure. Um, gives you an easy starting point to at least have something to manage users internal. Um, if we go to the GitOps Orphan uh, Argo CD, as we've mentioned a few times, is the one that we mm-hmm. chose. Um, if we go to the CI um, with part of the platform, we haven't really mentioned too much. Uh, once the platform is done provisioning and everything's in that single GitOps repo, we actually deliver an application, uh, Next JS application, uh, and it comes it basically just so that we can demonstrate how
2: okay. a, a container versus okay. a Helm chart publishes how it delivers through GitOps to your development staging and production environments.
3: And through that, we also get the added benefit of like how you would expose that to the internet. So we uh, use right. yeah. NGINX uh, for the ingress controller in our cluster. Uh, it, we use Argo workflows as the main driving engine for all of our CI operations, um, which was an interesting pick. Uh, that one, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, why didn't you just stay with like GitHub Actions? Or why didn't you stay with the Lab CI?" And yeah. uh, we did it a little bit. Uh, so what, what we ended up doing was we just wrote like basically a shim layer from your your native Git provider to submit to Argo Workflows, so you can get all that rich feedback into your application code repositories. Every step of the container comes out with log like a different log colors, so you can see which steps of your CI are succeeding or failing, and you get that like rich detail. Okay. So uh, really liked Argo Workflows for the fact that it was so Kubernetes native. Um, you know, we get a lot of added benefits for. Uh, secrets management in your CI ecosystems. You know, you can have that fine-grained control of uh, containers having access to individual secrets instead of the entire CI process having access to those secrets. Sure. Then you get smaller blast radius of uh, what what needs access and when. <laughs> What's I missing here? Um, I, I guess cert manager is kind of
4: table stakes at this point, but it, yeah, sure. it gets cert manager external DNS for DNS management. Um, we have uh uh,
1: that that covers the majority of the no, like it 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 sounds small but these are so many different components that again if i having been working around kubernetes technologies had to do it it will take me a week at least to make sure everything is plugged together in the right way and people who are just getting started this is like a lot of work so talking about user experience right i have, so I've seen the video that you guys shared with me as research for this spot, So I know how cool it is, but how, if I'm a new user, how do I get started? How do I install cube first and what does it give me and how, how can I add more users from my organization into the cube first ecosystem? How does the day zero look like?
3: Yeah. So, um, let's see, we'll probably split this one, but, um, basically once, uh, to get started, uh, install install Kubefirst tools, Kubefirst would probably be the initial step where uh, we have all the other download instructions on our docs, um, but uh, getting the CLI in hand is probably step one. Uh, step two would be deciding what you want to experiment with. Uh, and by that, it's like, do you have a cloud account that you already have wired up with DNS? Uh, that's basically the two prerequisites, a cloud with billing and a DNS that we can hook the cluster into for all those records that we need to act like route to services. So, okay. But if you want the lowest barrier of entry, then it would be Kubeverse K3D Create. So we basically took this whole cloud platform that we're describing uh, in the cloud and built it to run on your laptop as well so that you can try it without any prerequisites of a cloud account mm-hmm. or of a uh, DNS name or anything like that. You do need a Git provider, so you need a Git, uh, GitLab or GitHub Git Hub token uh, that you can give access to so that it can create that Git, GitOps repository as well as the metaphor application code that we give you. Um, and so yeah, you just run one command, uh, first K3D create, and then it would start provisioning. But, um, basically what we did with this story was we tried to emulate everything that you get in the cloud works the same on your local host, so you can see and feel all the patterns the same way. Like, even, um, Atlantis is our Terraform automation tool, uh, that one has, like, a really neat endrock implementation, like, we had to figure out how to get your laptop to receive webhooks from GitHub, so we opened up an endrock tunnel that renews every two hours. And nice! Work from your, so you're actually iterating on your CI on your localhost against your branch in your code repository, but the webhooks are still coming into your laptop so that you can have all of that Terraform automation that you would have in the cloud too. So nice. um, Yeah, I guess that's probably.
1: Oh, well, I, I like that ngrok integration, right? Like I, we have always covered ngrok in terms of like when they do funding rounds, but this is an actual use case. This is so cool. Yeah,
4: yeah, no, Engrax really super neat, and um, it, the the way that we implemented the auto rotator, like by default, Engrax only gonna give you a two hour window where you can use it for um, for uh, ingress, but mm-hmm. uh, when you install Engrax to Kubernetes in a cron job, that's a two hour cron job, then you can have a auto rotating Engrax. Nice. Is a, if you take the result of that N-Grop, uh tunnel creation and register with vault vault is going to propagate that to all the tools that need
0: it and it all just kind of flows so um yeah that was a really neat story uh for the for the local experience nice nice now i'm curious um a little bit about you know um you know what what went into decisions around things like operating system and and things that maybe people are maybe more picky about, right? You know, what, what kind of feedback did you get about like, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are like, well, you're giving me kind of a prescribed thing. So yeah. I heard you say earlier that like, you, you can use it as a starting place and maybe modify components and, you know, maybe not use Argo and use something else. But what kind of feedback did you get there? And like, you know, how did you deal with all that?
2: Yeah, man, I'm really glad you asked that
4: because it, 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 when building this platform, that was our number one concern. Was just like, look, like if we're going to build a starting point platform, you have to be able to leave, yeah. like we yeah. have to be able to cease to exist, and everything in production has to keep working, and you should be free to hate any tool that we pick,
2: <laughs> sure, sure, or yes. place
4: with any tool that you love, okay. like yeah. And nice. so, um, so the architecture that we settled on um, so far. When you do a first installation, um, we have this upstream GitOps template repository mm-hmm. as our opinionated platform built into the main branch. So um, when you do an install, um, you're pulling that GitOps template repository down and the AWS version and the CBO version and the K3D version are all slightly different, but it's the same effective platform. Right. Okay. Um, so you pull that platform down, And then there's all these details within uh, the desired state of a cluster Mm -hmm. that um, requires uh, like a token in our template that can be replaced by your actual value. So we don't know what your AWS
2: account ID is. We don't know what domain you're hooking it into. So all those types of
4: details um, are tokenized in our uh, GitOps template repo. When you pull it down to do an install, we hydrate uh, mm-hmm. template with all the details that you provide us, we looked some additional information up and hydrated along the way. And then the end result is a GitOps repository that we give right back to you and you get to host permanently forever. So um, because of that architecture, um, the infrastructure is code that powered all the cloud components that we created for you right. are in your GitOps repo in the Terraform.
2: Okay.
4: All of the applications that are in Argo CD with all the configurations and all of the synchronization, synchronization, Mm -hmm. and whatever else, that's also all in the GitOps repo and the registry. So these two pieces in this GitOps repo uh, are powering 100% of everything that we've built and given to you. So because of that, we've had clients that uh, wanted to work in AWS and GCP. Um, Our platform doesn't support GCP anymore. Technically, it's in beta, as of <laughs> <one>. <laughs> uh, Nice. But we didn't support GCP, but they were still able to do a Kubernetes AWS installation, mm-hmm. expand the installation in a cloud that we don't even support with ease because it's just a matter of taking the Terraform entry point directories and adding more of them if you want more infra. Or if you don't like a tool that we're using, like you don't like Argo workflows, you just want to use GitLab CI natively in Kubernetes, yeah. We understand, that's and that's A-OK, and you can run with it. And you can just pull-request the removal of hardware workflows and continue with uh, GitLab. that oh, We install self-hosted into your cluster. Or if you like Jenkins, something that we do not even touch, yeah. you can just add that on. And okay. um, we're, we're soon to be releasing a, a GitOps uh, catalog where um, you'll be able to take a whole like, marketplace of tools and bind them to your GitOps. Okay. So that the getups delivered to your clusters instead of what most marketplaces do, where they just like Helm install or um, Google <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, so we'll we'll, we'll have a, a nice desired state story in a marketplace ecosystem shortly. Gotcha. I believe that's coming out next week. <laughs> so. Our hope so. Oh, I like nice. that.
0: Yeah. I like the flexibility in that. Obviously, like, you know, I've dealt with customers too throughout my career and like they're always going to want to use something differently. So, you know, that was, that's, a, that's an awesome thing that you uh, provide that flexibility. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of bootstrapping this whole environment, of, you know, a lot more than just Kubernetes environment. You're giving back a GitOps repo. You know, how does one, you know, how does a client or a customer get their application onto it? It's just a matter of like using Argo CD. Does it have to, is there prerequisites for, you know, this thing to happen? Does it have to be in a GitHub repository that lets, you know, Argo kind of do its thing or what?
3: Yeah, so uh, it's a, not super complicated, but there's obviously a few steps. So yeah, yeah. that's not what you're after. But um, if you were to take the metaphor application
2: that be delivered to you as an example that you wanted mm-hmm. to, um, essentially,
3: uh, you would go to your GitOps repository, and visit your Terraform folder, and in there you'll see a GitHub folder, and uh, GitHub's in there because we manage all of your Git repositories in Terraform as well, so that you can have consistency across your organization for how people get added to those repositories, how those repositories are configured, etc. So, um, you take this little snippet, it's like probably 7 ish lines of Terraform HDL, uh, you would say, I want a new repository called my new app, and then... Nice. Uh, okay let Atlantis run its automation, it would create that GitHub repository for you, it would automatically add all of your users to that repo so they have the access that they need, uh, and then from there, you would drop your source code in that new GitHub repository, uh, and then it, you'd need a few files. Um, the easiest way to find those would be probably a metaphor just talking through this, so like there's yeah. two files that matter.
2: Dockerfile, um, you got to be able to build a container from your application source code. Sure, yep, okay, Yeah. A helm chart. Uh, you need a, a
3: charts repository. We have a customized pattern that we'll hopefully get out soon-ish for folks that is customized, but today would be a, a Helm chart, so you would need to copy your Helm chart into your application repo and make it uh, specific to your application, uh, and then you would have your .github or .gitlab folder, depending whether you're running in GitHub or GitLab. Mm-hmm. Um, those three things dropped in your application would be enough for your self-hosted runners uh, in the cluster to wake up and see that you have action happening against your main branch. And when you push that the first time, if your container actually builds successfully, uh, it would build and push that to a container registry. It would publish that home chart that you just put in the application source code repository, and then it would deliver it to development staging and production. And if you have those couple of things, it does pretty much, that's it.
4: Those three basic. Okay. Things- yeah, yeah. The, the the metaphor example um is uh hooked into HashiCorp vault using external secrets operator to pull secrets out okay Kubernetes secret so um, and likewise with like uh Ingress nginx like it's it's already pre-configured with those opinions for Ingress Nginx. it's pre <laughs> uh, configured for the opinions with external DNS Et etc so um the metaphor starting point is just like a really easy way to just grab a p-file, drop it in a repo, and then it's in production. It all goes perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Reality is that like it's probably going to take you three or four tries before
1: that Docker container builds correctly, <laughs> And once you have that, you're off to the races for sure. Nice. Okay. Okay, so this sounds like it really helps me get from zero to one, right? Like if I'm starting with uh, Kubernetes or starting my journey or writing a new app. But what about Brownfield apps? Like who is Cube first the most helpful for or who should be the one that's trying it out right now?
2: Yeah, it's a good
4: question. I mean, we we hope to be building the platform for like literally everyone. It's almost problematic how why we're trying (laughs) to target. Um, If you're an enterprise organization that has... whole bunch of pre-existing infrastructure, maybe you're running Terraform, Yeah, that's a-okay. Like if if you're going through a cloud native adoption uh, stream where you're trying to buy into Kubernetes, um, you can just do a Kubernetes install in that type of an environment. We'll create the uh, VPC for you, uh, the subnets, the cluster, the security groups, like everything. Mm -hmm. Then we'll bootstrap that cluster and give it to you. And it'll only be managing itself. Okay. if you have pre-existing infrastructure and it's Terraformed already, then you just have to take that Terraformed content move it into our GitOps repository. And as long as you haven't messed with the state at all, it can just hook into that same state and everything's fine. Um, If if you're a new, brand new startup, uh, we like to think that we have a story for those folks too. Like, um, you know, uh, in fact, that's probably our most target audience's uh, startups just because they have so many immediate needs I mean,
0: <laughs> sure yeah
4: single sign on for their users um organization roles so that you can separate admins from developers like these are things that take time and are annoying to get set up and um and are you setting it up using scripts or is it baked into your desired state you know mm-hmm. repeatable etc so we built it so that everything's repeatable everything's like best practice according to You know, a couple Kubernetes engineers that have been around for a handful of years. Um,
2: And uh, but um, we 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 hope that
4: no matter who you are, a Kubernetes cluster install will be valuable to you, whether it's a Fortune 500 enterprise grade, you know, big boy operation, or you know, just a tiny little ephemeral cluster that you need because you're doing demos every day and Mm -hmm. able to throw that cluster away and have it back tomorrow. Like, we have a story for pretty much everyone that needs Kubernetes. Um, So, yeah, to to be determined in terms of who gets the most value out of it, um, but... Okay.
1: So, like, okay, I I know uh, Jared mentioned that we can do a K3D install as well. Can Mm -hmm. I do a K3D install, have everything running on my local machine or my Mac, uh, and then eventually choose an EKS cluster as my production endpoint? Like, is that combination possible and how easy or difficult it is?
3: So not quite today. Um, we don't. We don't have the translation engine to go from K three D to AWS or okay. beyond. Um, we've talked a lot about that as an opportunity to reduce sure. our base a lot and
2: figure out how because like once everything's in an Argo CD application kind in YAML,
3: like it's just overlays like customized provides to like yeah. The AWS, well, then it has a, an AWS annotation. If it's not, then it has a CBO annotation or whatever the thing is. So, like, there's just a few configuration points that you have to be able to recognize the difference between, um, but you would be able to. Uh, I think that there's another approach that's kind of, like, in parallel of that, which is um, we have a, a mechanism built into our CLI that you can actually override our GitOps template repository. So let's say you took it for a spin and you were like, gosh, this is great, but I need to change this one thing. It's like, okay, well then you can either fork our repository or create your own as long as it has the same structure. And mm-hmm. then you're able to override our template and use your template so that you can have your outcome every time you run through first create instead of ours. So like, that oh, quite answer in your question, but uh, you'd be able to have your own template that satisfies your local and AWS stories and you'd be able to switch between them a little bit better. And you could add that customization that we don't want to be to.
2: Right. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. I mean, it's a pretty powerful tool when you think about it. And, um, you know, I, I think just the overall idea of, you know, getting this up running quickly, and I think about what quickly actually means. So how, how long does it actually take to get running? I just, uh, it depends like,
3: on where you are. Um, yeah, so okay. we, we've been a little uh, irresponsible with clouds that we're trying to <laughs> <laughs> So um, I think today uh, we officially
2: support AWS K3D and SIBO, but we have uh, DigitalOcean, Vulture, and... GCP. Uh, GCP and beta. So, we're okay. in that direction. But uh,
3: depending on which cloud you pick, AWS is about probably 40, 45 minutes by the time oh, yeah, you okay. cluster provisions and you get all of your DNS records back for yeah. uh, If you're in like DigitalOcean, SIBO, uh, those smaller clouds that
2: have much faster Kubernetes oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at probably uh, anywhere from
3: eight to
0: 12 minutes maybe yeah okay yeah wow that's quite a difference i mean i know last time uh you spoke with with and you know you you mentioned this a couple times which everybody has the same problem right yeah and the footprint can take anywhere you know from months to many months and i'm and i'm curious because you know you know what you're Thought is on why do you think that is? I mean, I know that you know in larger companies even that are probably later adopters to just Kubernetes in general. Mm-hmm. You know, there's patches of DevOps and and GitOps in various places. So I could see an individual team kind of bootstrapping their effort um, in this space with something like cube first. And I'm just curious, like you know, what are those? What were those conversations? Um, and what were they like in terms of how long it took for people to kind of get started?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, Starting Kubernetes is just tough work. Like, you know, if if, if you think about walking into a new shop, just imagine any generic software shop that has maybe 10 microservices, and they have some pre-existing infra, and they've been working on VMs, and now they're trying to adopt Kubernetes. Or maybe they have nothing yet. Um, Like, you're gonna end up with some engineers. Hopefully, if you're lucky, you're gonna find some engineers that are like excited about cloud native, uh, ready to tackle the CNCF landscape, which is right. just like this bustling ecosystem of. Um, um, no, oh, all right. Um, so yeah, we uh, you, you you know when when you go into a shop like that and you you get a handful of engineers that. Maybe came from a couple different places, maybe have different histories and experiences of the tools that worked well for them at their last shop, etc. What we have found is that, like, they're gonna start debating and arguing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's tough to pick the right ingress controller, and it's tough to pick the right secrets manager, and it's tough to pick the right uh, CI tool. Uh, and and whether or not you should be doing
2: GitOps, yeah. and all of these decisions um,
4: create uh, opportunities to slow down uh, Kubernetes, giving the company value. That's not to say that the research isn't warranted. Yep. While you're doing that research, you're not shipping to production, and that's bad for organizations. Yeah, so, um, our stance is that, like, hey. Uh, you're right to have those debates. You are. Like it's it's a good idea. You should you, you should install Coop first and decide, hey, should we not use Nginx as an ingress controller? Mm-hmm. That's a great
2: question. Uh maybe you shouldn't. And and start experimenting on a platform that has secrets management and, yeah. Yeah. and
4: Terraform and everything, all wired up and ready to go and shipping your apps to prod. While you're figuring that tough, time-consuming stuff out with your team, um, and our our hope is that like that's going to produce likely some more contributions to first, Like, I uh, you know, uh, ingress NGINX was great, but uh, look what we did with traffic, and now we have an option of yep. controllers instead of just a single opinionated um, uh, ingress controller, and we, we, we do try to do that. Like We want to be very vendor agnostic with the tech that we pick. Like If we use HashiCorp Vault, we know it's not for everyone, and that's A-OK. Like, uh, we would love for somebody to uh, s- submit a contribution that had uh, something that Vault covers all the ground for for us, which is a lot. It's IPP, it's secrets management, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, but
2: you know, that's not to say that you can't evolve the platform in any direction
4: your organization needs. So, um, yeah, I I think that's the best I can do on that
0: (laughs) one. No, that's a perfect answer. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of focus on getting to the value that Kubernetes can bring first now. We've moved on from a from focusing on the infrastructure and getting it installed and kind of like celebrating that now it's like, that's great. You know, that's old news. We want to actually build something that's useful for, you know, business value and and where I work at this point. So, so. you know, we're seeing a lot of that and it's, it's awesome to see kind of this whole project and we're going to give you a chance to kind of, direct people where they can get started how they can contribute right what you just talked about where they can find out more but before we do that we always have a uh, section of the show which is our chat GPT question which is basically Uh-oh. we we ask chat GPT to come up with a question for for you well, um, was... about the topic um and and you don't have to answer it you can absolutely answer it but if you don't we let itself answer the see uh, uh-huh. the, yeah. <laughs> their yeah. own analogy um so the 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 question that I came up with for um you know podcast guest on this topic was imagine kubernetes as a wild untamed beast uh can you share with us your most memorable taming experience when setting up a kubernetes environment for production and why it felt like
1: wrestling a dragon <laughs> oh
4: that's that's a heavy
1: core <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have will we part- need a 3 hour train ride to new york city to like get an answer for that
4: <laughs> yeah um, let's see. Uh, how do you slay the Kubernetes <laughs> creature with a production installation? That I, that I man, that is just we, tough, we can
0: let we can let ChatGPT answer the question for yeah, you yeah, if yeah, you'd yeah, rather.
4: You'd <laughs> Well, it's funny
0: because, you know, it kind of, when I asked it to answer this question, it was like, I can't possibly a- answer that question. I haven't done that before, right? So, um, and I said, well, just make believe that you were a person that does it. And it, goes, and it goes, well, okay, that's a fantastic analogy. Uh, setting up a Kubernetes in production indeed feels like taming a wild beast, it says. Uh, one of the most memorable experiences I had while, well, I, Japo-G, uh when <laughs> we were migrating our services to a Kubernetes-based infrastructure for the first time. Very appropriate for you guys, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, uh, It says, the dragon, in our case, was managing persistent storage. Um, (laughs) Kubernetes, as you know, (laughs) was designed for stateless applications, and our application uh, had a significant stable component, and we had to ensure all our data was not uh, only persistent, but also could be accessed quickly and reliably across the pods. Um, It goes on to say, basically, that, that the real dragon, the real challenge was ensuring that the entire team was up to speed with Kubernetes uh, because it's a powerful system, but also complex and has yeah. a steep learning curve. We invested in a lot of time in training and building internal documentation to ensure everyone could work effectively. So in the end, um, um, it says something along the, we didn't just team the dragon, but we made it our ally, which I thought was kind of, uh-huh. <laughs> kind of funny. Well,
4: it was um, a great <laughs> actually, <probably laughs> guess, my um,
0: yeah. So we we have we have fun with uh, getting some some uh, viewpoints of ChatGPT and what it's scraped off the internet, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. it's, it's usually not far from the truth, honestly. <laughs> it's
4: a great gem. Like it, it is true that like getting your organization to buy into a new mental model of software delivery on top of Kubernetes is the big challenge. It, it, it
2: truly is, um, yeah. and you know.
4: We we hope that, like with, with KubeFirst, we have a, a KubeFirst community, uh, a Slack workspace where we have like almost 200 people now that are all using these same tools the same ways. Nice. And we ourselves are in there too. Yep. So we hope that that's a really important facet to what we're bringing to the table. Like, we're not just bringing a tool that you can use to install and fast track Kubernetes uh, creation and adoption, but you've got this uh select workspace with me and jared and all yep. of our employees and all of our community members that we've acquired so far that are ready to help answer it it doesn't matter what the question is. Um like you don't know what a pod is like let's have
2: a conversation. Yep. You don't know what a you know what whatever, whatever the challenge is, how GitOps works. Yeah.
4: Um and so, you know, we hope to be able to share our expertise with um with, with our community and with shops that are adopting Kubernetes for the first time, because it is a it is a mental uh, leap to go from VM-oriented application <laughs> delivery to Kubernetes. Awesome. It
0: absolutely <laughs> is, it absolutely is. And that's a good lead in, you know, where can someone find that Slack community? Um, where can they get started? Where they can contrib- contribute? Any of those types of resources, spit them out here and then we'll we'll make sure to link them in the
2: show notes.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So it's kubfirst.io, um, kuvefirs io um, and that's going to get you everywhere. If you get a coopers.io slash Slack, uh, that'll bring you to our workspace. Um, all right.
2: We have docs.kupress.io that talks about all of our different platforms. Um,
4: and we have, uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're everywhere. But if you get a Kupress.io, that'll be your starting point to every place that we can uh, ship you. So um, we are you know actively looking for contributions from User community and um, feedback about mm-hmm. how we're falling short on you know the user's vision of uh, fast Kubernetes uh, ephemeral environments, whatever it might be, clouds that we don't yet support. Um, we're we're ready to talk to our users about anything that they need. So um. yeah, and I, and I have the uh, like one last note on that is like uh, we want people like there there are people
3: at companies right now that are one man, two man, three whatever, show very small team, and they yeah. have. Enormous work effort out of them, and we hope that they see the value in being able to drop into our community and immediately have forty other people using the same tools to ask questions about. Right? right. We really want to focus on like helping them become successful with their Kubernetes journey. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's, well, that's a great, that's a great way to end. And I hope uh, our listeners and viewers um, can hop on board and join your community, check out the tool, get started on your laptop, whatever it may be. Um, And we'll put all the show notes, uh, all the links in the show notes for everyone to get started. And uh, John and Jared, it was a pleasure to have you on here. It was a pleasure to have you both in the same room. It sounds like, I know, uh, which is always uh, uh, new for us. I feel like most of the time we're working distributed. So nice to see you and uh, thank you again.
4: Yeah, it was a real pleasure having us on. Thank you so much. and been great to be with you
0: guys today, yeah. All right, Bobin. that was a fun episode. It was cool to see uh, John and Jared in the same room. We often don't get that. Um, I know. You know, uh, it's cool for them as well in this world. I know I've been sort of seeing more people IRL, uh, so to speak, so it's cool to see them there. I thought that was a really cool episode, um, you know, just talking about just complexities in general. Mm -hmm. Like this comes up all the time, right? Are we making Kubernetes too complex? Is it too complex for my use case? The answers will vary, obviously. Like the the classic answer of it depends is Mm -hmm. really the answer here. But, you know, there are a lot of barriers when you are talking about sort of a full production, you know, DevOps friendly, using GitOps, has security built in, has all these kind of workflows that we talk about on the show or that are implemented in a lot of shops. It's hard to get all that moving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think their stat was like three to nine months is probably not far off. I mean, I, I, don't... I don't think that was tied to any survey, but I wouldn't be surprised if it, you know, some <laughs> shots were even a lot longer. So um, just, you know, the Q first kind of problem where it's really getting you off the ground without needing every tiny little skill set. Now, mm-hmm. you obviously need to know how those things work still. You have to, you know, have people familiar with, you know, how they're going about things and hopefully they can you know help uh, help you with those problems. Along, but yeah, you know, the good jumping off point, and and sort of, I really like the idea of it not being tied to like you must use this, right? Yep. They were very open with like, yeah, just you know, we realize you know, everybody's not going to want to use the same OS, we're not going to want to use the same component here or there, mm-hmm. and it being open source, I think, is a total win. I don't
2: know, what yeah, you,
1: you, you do have to start somewhere, right? Like, so make your best guess, i guess as as q first is doing, and then. So if if customers want to bring in a different uh, CD tool or a different uh, authentication and uh, authorization tool, like why not? But yeah. uh, for a majority of the people out there that just want to get started and write some code, I think tools like Cube First are going to be super helpful because yeah. even uh, I, I think I said this on the podcast, right? But uh, even for me to deploy everything and make sure everything works together, yeah, it's going to take me at least a couple of days. Like it's just time consuming and difficult and if cube first can automate all of that for me in the first 45 minutes that's awesome like i can just start writing code yeah. uh, if i i remember the the video that they did it right once they have everything instantiated the way to invite more users is just updating a file in your git repo and the gitops workflow automatically pushes those users into a vault hashicorp vault creates uh, yeah. credentials for them. And then you can use those credentials in, to log into GitLab, to log into uh, Argo CD. And okay. all of that plumbing is already done for you. So I don't know. It really makes sense uh, yeah. if you are just getting started that that zero to one use case. And I know we discussed with them, like how how do organizations who are already at that the one point, how do they get to 100, right? Yeah. And they they are still working on it. They talk, they did talk about how they can bring in existing Terraform, uh, the folders that you might have with the state and, and include it. Yeah, with the plus ecosystem, but I don't know. Uh, and we are headed in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I think so. I I find it's probably a much more useful tool to you know greenfield new, yeah. new companies, and I think they did say that right. Yep. Startups so have a lot more use for. it. I mean, a large, huge companies is very hard because there's usually a designated set of procedures oh, yeah. and things you have to do. So it's harder to just like drop in something. But, um, really cool stuff. Go try it out. Um, I actually plan on trying it out. Um, I think it's a really good tool for like demos and stuff that for yeah. all of what we do so um I will let you know John and Jared I guess in <laughs> due time when I get to it um but with that uh I think that's really the end of uh today's show right yeah and that's it so happy happy 50th episode bovin you um, too we'll have to celebrate <laughs> we have some uh hopefully some cool news coming up in terms of um you know being able to interact with the show some more mm-hmm. and, and get some more out of it so stay tuned uh we'll announce those things soon and with that that brings us to the end of today's episode I'm Ryan. I'm Vavid. And thanks for joining another episode of Kubernetes Byte. Thank you for listening to
2: the Kubernetes Bytes Podcast.